Hello everyone and welcome to a very special edition of Market Talk in association with Hobart. Now, Catering Insight has been helping Hobart to conduct the big conversation with hundreds of dealers up and down the country and we've been talking about a lot of different themes uh, and a couple of them that have been prominent have been the sector recovery and equipment value. So we're going to talk about those particular uh, focuses today. And so with me, I have David Riley, who is the MD of Hobart UK's equipment division. Hello. We have Jack Sharkey, who is the MD of Vision Commercial Kitchens. We have Dave Burnett, who is the director of Falkland Commercial Kitchens. We have Dawn Cheatham, who is the director of Commercial Kitchen Service. And we have Andrew Fordyce, who is the Group MD of IFSE. So thank you very much, everyone, for joining us. Okay, I'm going to kick straight on with the questions. I'm going to start with David Riley. So from the equipment side of things, from Hobart side of things, so what food service sectors have you seen recovering most positively from the coronavirus crisis? Well, it's a good question. I mean, it's been quite variable as we've gone over through, what is it, 18 months now of chaos. Uh, I think it's worth remembering that the first quarter in 2020 was actually relatively normal before we plummeted into it. So when we look at comparing last year with this year, January, February, March was, was full business, whereas it, it wasn't this year. And also don't forget, in, actually in 2020, not every sector, as far as we're concerned, actually plummeted. The hospital sector rather obviously was actually up 16% on 2019 uh, and the limited service sector was up by us for about 14% as well. So that, that, was, that was actually good news in, in, in a terrible year in 2020. Um, but in 2021, all of our market sectors with the exception of two were showing double digit growth. So they're all bouncing back. The, the exceptions to those, um, those sectors have actually been the restaurant groups or the, the, the restaurants that we, that we service which is probably understandable because the restaurants have been one of the slowest to come back, come back to the market. Um, but within those areas, we even, we've seen success in that, although not at the level we want. We resetted a plan for this year that we thought was more realistic and we're exceeding that, so it's going quite well. Um, but all market sectors to me are coming back with the possible exception at the moment of the full service restaurants, which is an obvious one, I think. Um, but some of the limited service that stayed open with takeaways, have uh, shown good growth on the prior year and to me it's all perking up nicely but not back to 2019 levels. Sure thing. Um, so Jack on the on the dealer side of things uh, how do you see that? Does that chime with what you're experiencing? Yeah I think I'd agree with Dave you know 2020 the first quarter of 2020 there was you know, no difference in business as usual and then obviously the market, COVID hit and the market kind of took a, a drop and I really took a step back to really understand what was going on. Uh, and we as a business, like many others, we were down through, uh, through the course of 2020. The first part of 2021 has been, I would say, similar to the second half of 2020. For the last three months, we've seen, a, I would say, a universal bounce back. Um, in, you know, Dave's saying restaurants. We're actually seeing our restaurant sector coming really back quite strongly now. And I think that's because of that confidence level now that we're now moving into that unlocking. Hopefully that continues. We've got now the full unlock. But yeah, no, we're, we're, we've got a universal bounce back and the restaurant sector has come back online now. Okie dokie. Dawn, does that uh, chime with what you've been experiencing at Commercial Kitchen Service? Yeah, I would actually, I would actually agree with Jack. Um, 
I, we started the bounce back, I think, marginally earlier. I think uh, being based in a holiday resort, there was um, there was an appetite for even day trips and almost breaking um, the um, movement rules. Um, so some restaurants, I agree, were going down the takeaway route, um, but we're, we are seeing that come back. A bit like Jack, it's um, it is coming back. I think there's been some um, judicial care taken with um, finance in certain of the restaurant um, areas, um, particularly the small independents. Um, I think have used the time very productively. Um, we've done quite a few um, projects, small projects, I agree, but where they've been facilitating outdoor bar areas um, so that they can, so they can, um, they could tap from April. They could tap into the outdoor market, um, and that that's been really interesting to watch. Uh, but I do agree with what Dave said earlier. Um, you know, back back down to last year, you know, the hospital, the care home sector, and quite a few of the schools were were carrying on in and still needed to provide um, a food option for, you know, that their, their particular client. Um, clients so yes it did dip um, but unlike some um, some sectors I think we were quite niche in the fact that we couldn't actually close um, because if you had any client base in either schools the care homes the hospital or anywhere supporting um, the the general um, COVID response you, you really had to stay open hmm. Absolutely. Um, so, Dave, uh, Fulcrum, have you seen particular sectors coming back strongly as well? Yeah, and this is going on from what Dawn said, the, um, the pub um, groups, and this, we don't deal with the big chains, but you're talking about independents and, um, and smaller pub groups, you've seen their sites um, really latch on to that first April easing where the, you could see a lot of activity with outdoor dining, building pods, building uh, marquees or whatever outside the pub, knowing that really if they were going to get any sort of income, they had to be ready for that. So they've seized that opportunity. They've got some income coming in earlier than many. Some didn't. Some were a bit slow off the mark and, and didn't really invest the time or the thought to do that. Um, but those ones who were quick have really gone on with amazing and then the June and now the indoor dining. So that's where we've seen quite a bit of uh, activity on, on our team. Right, and Andrew, is that the same for IFSE? Well, I think a sector that has been really hit has been contract catering, business and industry catering. As we are coming out and seeing lots of other areas start to flourish, uh, they're still probably six months away from really getting back in to office catering and understanding what their clients' new requirements are. I mean, we're all using our offices differently. We've all got home working going on, I'm sure. And obviously in large contract catering establishments, particularly in the big cities, that's very much the case at the moment. And I have huge sympathy for all the operators in that market. Uh, but for us, the bounce back has been across the board. But in some areas, it's been new markets for us. Uh, we have extended into small chains and that's been very successful and lots of independent restaurants because there's a lot of property available on the market at the moment and people are taking the opportunity to grab those properties while they can get a relatively cheap deal and possibly some assistance from the landlord to do the fit out and go ahead and get themselves ready for when the recovery comes through. 
Good stuff. But um, so you mentioned there about contract catering. So uh, that kind of leads on to our second question is that which sectors do you think have had ongoing challenges? Is there anyone else that you can mention apart from that? Well, I think that that's been the way the main one for us. Obviously, hotels have had ongoing challenges and existing high street restaurants because they're just running out of cash as time goes on and they're not allowed to have any customers. So there's been huge challenges across the industry there. Certainly the independent chains we're looking at are more the sort of companies that are linked to people like Deliveroo to do nighttime deliveries, extend the, ser the serving day for them. Um, the traditional restaurants have taken it really hard. Yeah, um, and on the equipment side of things, uh, David, what, what do you feel? Which sectors do you think are experiencing difficulties still? I think the most unpredictable sector, as I see it, is going to be the retail sector as we go forward. Now, we look after supermarkets within that section and, of course, the high street chains as well. And I think with the, with the aggressive growth that we've seen from the, the low-cost supermarkets that don't necessarily have the facilities of restaurants and things and utilise catering equipment very much, they're still growing and performing very strongly, which is threatening those others. Some of those retail customers are reacting positively and trying to invest to encourage people into their places by having these extra facilities, but others aren't. Um, so, the, and then the high street is is all up in arms. We've we've seen the horrors of John Lewis closing shops, even my local one here in Peterborough, which uh, isn't great news for me. Um, so they're struggling, um, and they just invested in the restaurant. They just put a brand new dishwasher in that uh, in that restaurant down the road. Um, so I think the retail sector is going to be the most unpredictable uh, as to how it's going to go forward and is going to struggle. And then if I look at general market sectors across a, a wider field, the national accounts structure that, that, that we operate within, uh, I think is going to suffer some more bankruptcies still. I think I certainly agree with what was said earlier about the independence. Our independent business is up nearly the same as it was last year already. So we've seen sort of 50, 60 percent growths within that area, um, which is interesting. Um, but outside of that, then there's also, I'm also pleased to see that we're getting the dealers back growing and being busy as well. Um, the dealer business dropped off slightly last year. Um, I think we did about 65% of our business through the dealer channel last year, but it's back up to over 75% now this year. So the dealers have been strong. We haven't had too many um, bankruptcies within that. I think people have managed themselves quite professionally. I know Jack and I had discussions quite detailed discussions through the actual pandemic last year and people that were sensible have been there and we're reaping that reward and we're getting good loyalty from our dealers going forward so so that's that's good news but the main segments i think will be the retailer and also the large restaurant groups that i think we'll still still have issues with and i still think we'll see some bankruptcies within that jack do you feel that that's the same for uh, what you've seen that those are the sectors that are going to be challenged going forwards too yeah, and I think there's two sides to that. Certainly on the restaurant sector and the, and the, the multi-site multi operators where they, you know, we had some, a number of bankruptcies last year and I think Dave's right. I think, you know, there's probably more on the cards for this year. But I think within there, there's also opportunities as well where other operators and independents can enter into that market space as well. So I think there will be opportunities. So whilst there'll be some casualties, I think that will generate some, some good opportunities as well. I think short term, I think one of the things that we're seeing, uh, we do quite a lot of work within the air airports and the transport infrastructure that's that's taking its time to come back i don't think that's going to really come back um probably might get away with with christmas this year but i think it's going to be into next year 
you know, April onwards from next year before they start to see that recovery. And again, the same as Andrew was saying, the contract caterers, I think they're, they're 12, 18 months away before we're getting into a good recovery because and I think that the dynamics in that marketplace are going to change somewhat because a lot of people have gotten used to working from home now. So I don't think everybody's going to be back into the office full time. So whilst the contract caterers might be getting back into that work environment, um, they will be catering for the same numbers because there'll be less numbers that they need to deal with. Um, so, yeah, I think there's still, there's still some challenges out there uh, in terms of some little market sectors, but generally I think there's some, some good positive outlooks. Okie dokie. Uh, Dawn, for uh, CKS, is there any uh, sectors that are still proving problematic? I, I don't know that it's a sector that's proving problematic, but one thing that we are hearing a lot from the, particularly again, the independents that we go out to, um, and it's it's being able to adequately staff, particularly in the restaurants. So effectively, they are more up for recovery than they're able to deliver. So whilst they're open, they haven't got they haven't quite got the staff to cover, you know, to do the full coverage. So some restaurants are down to only being able to take sort of fifty percent of their base because they haven't got the staff to cover it. Now that has a knock on in the long term as to what free cash is available to it to, you know, fromward investment. Um, but th that's becoming quite increasingly obvious, particularly around here. There's a lot of movement. There is a merry go round going, but when there's the interruption to that, you can't recruit as fast as you're losing them. And they are having to cut the number of people that go through the doors. Um, so that 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 is one thing that that we have seen. I'd I'd agree with Don on that. It's a, it's a major challenge. Talking to a number of my clients, operator clients, you know, the, one of the big challenges that they're faced with is staff. Um, they just literally can't get hold of the staff. I've heard, I've, heard, I've heard certain situations where they have to pay for signing on fees to get staff to to even start working with them. You know, they're like a football signing on to a new club and getting paid for signing on. You know, it's it's just it's quite scary when you kind of look at it in them sort of terms. I've just come away from a long weekend away up in the Lake District and the restaurant had to shut its doors and stop taking food orders at half past seven. And they had a full, you know, they had people waiting to go into the into the place because they couldn't they didn't have the staff to be able to service the customers. And so it has that that then will have its knock-on effects as well. So I think that's a, that's a big challenge. So Dawn, are you seeing that as well? Are you seeing operators demanding more equipment value and kind of offsetting that against the shortages of equipment that we're seeing at the moment? Um, we are we are suffering with shortages of equipment. I will uh, I will echo that. The lead times have suddenly um, seemed to have drifted out um, quite exponentially, um, and that that is a worry, um, particularly at this time of year. Um, I would just slightly amend um, what um, David said earlier. I, I do think, uh, certainly in this area, price price is critical. Um, you know, we're in a town where you can you can get accommodation for next to nothing. You can go out and you you know you get a meal for a fiver. So the the price that is available for some of some of the uh, customers to pay is necessarily a lot less than um, in in certain other restaurants. Um, so I, I think necessity is driving the purse strings, certainly in some resorts, um, and this is one of them. Um, I think necessity when you get to a 
piece of kit that can't be repaired or is beyond economical repair. I think that is driving it. I think there's more money being spent on repairs than we would hitherto have seen. Um, and I also think the old bugbear, um, which dealers have to deal with so much, is the fight against what you can get on the internet. Absolutely. Um, so, Dave, have you been seeing similar things with Fulcrum? Operators definitely been saying, right, we need the most value out of our equipment at the same time that you're seeing shortages of equipment actually arriving. To a degree, yeah, but that shortage of equipment sometimes means they haven't got a choice. You know, we've gone, if you look at a bottle cooler, for example, double door bottle coolers, it's like hen's teeth in the UK, and, and containers that are arriving in six weeks' time have already been sold out. That's in the economy range. So if you go up to a Gamco type bottle cooler, some of these operators are going to have to accept that if they want something slightly sooner than the cheap um, uh, containers coming from the Far East. So, um, yeah, we have found that. I mean, I think one thing that COVID has allowed a lot of the operations that shut down long-term during the whole thing is it has made them really think as they come back into operation, how much care they did put into their kitchen, what equipment they did buy previously and the importance of when they have that kit running, that it is running regularly and they're making the maximum amount of their food service, food service operation. Because um, for years, they've probably gone on and gone on and done the, the classic thing of buying cheap, uh, repairing it when it goes wrong, buying sooner than they needed to but now maybe that chance has been, they've got had that chance now to reassess how they operate and maybe spend a little bit more money on a little bit better equipment but um, but the shortages in all in all types of equipment is is making life very difficult you want to sell you want to get kitchens installed on time and just getting hold of the kit is is very hard and Jack, how are you balancing operators' uh, demands for equipment value with, say, all this uh, supply chain issues that are going on? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with everything that David and Dom have both said. Um, yeah, there was, during the last year, there's been certain periods of time when there's been a, a shift to the value proposition. The clients have been looking for those value propositions. Um, but... I think it has, that's short term. It's not going to be long term because they are, I think Dave mentioned it before, that they've been looking at their operations and realising that there has to be that level of investment into multifunctional piece of equipment, um, things that will save labour. And they're also wanting longevity out of their equipment because they've realised now buying cheap is, is not the answer all the time. I think, as Dawn said, necessity has driven that value proposition because they're short of cash, they're short of funds to be able to do that capital replacement piece. So they've gone down the value uh, value option, but they are much rather. I think they would much rather spend the money to keep their equipment operational for a longer period of time. And and I think if they can get that, because they're investing in, in in better equipment, so they're getting a longer life expectancy on it, and and putting a maintenance package alongside of that, we're seeing a lot more of that. Right. Yeah. So that kind of begs the question then. Um, with uh, other methods of payment, such as uh, financing or rental, are, are operators now seizing on this? Um, David, are you seeing that for Hobart? Yes, we are. I mean, I've actually employed more people into our leasing division so that we can cope with the demand in there. Um, it's certainly well up to about 20% on prior year, particularly the interest-free offering with a payment holiday. Um, because that is that is driving demand or driving the ability to buy the equipment even when funds are short. Um, so we've seen enormous success in that and people can even couple that with service contracts as well if they want to. 
so they can get the equipment looked after for that period too. Um, so, so that that is that is that is doing very nicely for us, and and I think that we it will be a way ahead forward. Uh, I think that, that the overall industry is a bit slow sometimes to look at the leasing op op um, option with photocopiers. Everyone does it naturally, um, but I think more and more people are looking at it and taking advantage of it, and certainly saving money and spreading their costs and, and knowing what they've got to spend and getting the equipment now that they want. So that's that's a great option. So that's good. Good and, stuff. Um... Andrew, are you seeing that at IFSE? Are, are operators seizing on opportunities to uh, pay in different ways? Absolutely. And uh, for us, it's a relatively new area because we don't actually sell very much in the way of individual boxes of equipment. Most of our work is projects. But what we have found is that there's an appetite for customers to finance projects through leasing deals, including any building work, fit-out work, the whole deal because they're all very keen to conserve any cash they have to get them trading. And then again, if there's another shock, a lockdown, to have that cash available to them, to see them through that potentially next bad period. So yes, we've seen that leasing has probably, it's gone up 100% with us, but it probably relates to as much as 25%, 30% of our projects now. Oh, wow. Jack, is that similar for Vision? I know you guys do quite a lot of projects as well. Yeah, I mean, we've always been, uh, we've always used leasing and finance facilities and we've always had those facilities in, in place. And I spent probably from um, July last year through till uh, October just refining that and, and fine tuning our uh, finance options. And I would say, certainly in our independent sector, um, we're probably getting an uptake of 50 to 60% um, on taking finance. Um, and I'll pick up on what Dave said before, you know, my guys even do a mixed bag of, um, um, of the interest-free finances offered through ITW and Hobart and the, the, the more traditional financing as well. So they, they do make it work. Um, and yeah, there's been a huge uplift in, uh, in financing in, in the general market, certainly in the independent sector. I think less so than in the, in the corporate sector and the multi-site operator sector, but certainly in the independent sector. Yeah. Uh, Dawn, you said, obviously, uh, you guys have got quite a few independent customers. So are you seeing them uh, jump on leasing and other met methods of financing to pay for their equipment? Um, we, we always did. Uh, you know, like everybody, we've got the leasing option. Um, I wouldn't say it's particularly increased a great deal. Uh, we have we have seen it come through. Um, but the projects that uh, we've done, we've, um, we've not had a great deal of uptake or a great deal of increased uptake. Uh, it's sort of stayed pretty average for us. Okie dokie. And I'm going to give the last words to Dave on this. How, how is it uh, at Fulcrum in terms of uh, different payment methods? Are operators demanding this at this time or is it quite uh, uh, st stable, as, as Dawn said? It's fairly stable with us as well, like Dawn has said. I mean, maybe that's uh, big to the smaller operators and they've conserved, they want to conserve their cash as they're going into, coming out of, of um, the, the crisis and trading more strongly. They still need that um, uh, liquid cash to be able to operate. So um, we've, we've had about 50% of our projects that have gone through leasing, which is about the same as it's been, maybe slightly up, but not massively. But going back to when you said about rental, as well as leasing, and this goes back to supply chain issues. We've had one customer who was in a crazy situation. They needed three bottle coolers from us. We got them, but she needed to rent three bottle coolers for three weeks just to get through opening to when we could get the bottle coolers to her that she wanted to buy. So I imagine 
rental may well have um, had a bit of a kick up as well in some sectors. Jolly good. Okay, we have now run out of time, but thank you very much, everybody, for taking part in this week's special market talk in association with Hobart. And I hope to see you all out there for another episode of Market Talk soon. Goodbye. And Dave, are you still seeing are you seeing those challenges for your customers too? Yeah, I mean, I think the staffing issue is a big one, and you see it when you go out to a restaurant or anywhere. You can see a lot of new staff coming in untrained trying to get up to speed um you know you you want to be helpful you don't want to complain but the quality of staffing is quite low so you can see some of those staff are going to be on a high turnover they're going to be coming and going and the operators are going to be really struggling especially the larger uh, multiples that, that need a lot of staff um i think these sectors any sector that has relies on high footfall is struggling we've got um a customer that um operates in museums operates in historic buildings where they rely on um, a lot of visitors, a lot of people coming through the doors. And because a lot of these sites are restricting those, uh, the football coming through the doors, they can only open 70%, 60%. So that's restricting them really getting cracking and getting going again. So anything, and then, and then the fear of COVID variants, you know, how many people are going to come back to large gatherings, you know, um, where you would expect places to be rammed. Although the exception perhaps was Silverstone this last weekend, which apparently got absolutely rammed. So anyone there catering is doing uh, um, good business, of course. But, um, but yeah, those, those, those are the, the tricky ones we're seeing. Right, yeah. Okay, we're going to move on to the equipment value side of things. So um, I'll start with David. Uh, so has catering equipment value assumed an even, even greater importance to the operators and the dealers that you're involved with in the wake of the pandemic? Well, I think spinning off from what we've just been talking about, which is lack of labour and shortages, certainly any piece of equipment that can deliver those labour saving ideas and initiatives is really going to help people. They use less people, they don't need as many people, and perhaps they can serve more customers rather than spending more time washing up. So, so that's certainly an advantage. And of course, as, as finances become tight as well, they also want efficient equipment that's, that's low cost to run. Um, so yes, there certainly should be that. However, you've always got to counterbalance that with available funds. So ironically, the Ecomax division has shown 42% growth on last year, uh, and the demand for that is, is unbelievable. So the logical head says, yes, it should be taking advantage of, of a quality piece of equipment, but the, the heart seems to be driving the purse strings at the moment and, and going for that, that lower cost initiative, which is fine because we're in all those markets and that's great for us, uh, and, it, and it's fueling our growth, so, so, it, so it's good. But yes, I think it should be important to the operator and, and will always continue to be, yes. Okay, good stuff, hopefully. Um, Andrew, uh, for IFSE, for your operator customers, uh, are they now demanding ever more value than, than in the past? Yes, they are, although we've obviously had a realignment this year in that most equipment has gone up 6 to 7% in cost anyway as a result of Brexit and other factors. Um, they do want more value, and I, I echo what David says, they definitely want pieces of equipment that can do multifunction things rather than just you know something that did one job in the past uh, and the challenge we have at the moment uh, is that actually getting hold of that equipment during the pandemic obviously people who are making things like stainless steel tables counters they've cut back on staff and now we have a large surge of business in the industry uh, getting stainless steel fabrication and counters made is very difficult at the minute and getting equipment from European-based suppliers is difficult uh, because it, the length of time for delivery 
has extended and particularly it's affecting combi ovens in the UK right now where Unox don't have any and uh, other manufacturers have gone on to extended delivery times. And I'm sure my colleagues here finding the same problems across the board. 